Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think there's a cat in hell's chance of him going voluntarily. He's completely shameless. He's totally narcissistic. He believes he's always had his own way and should have. And his instinct now will be to try to blame as many other people as possible and to do anything he can to shift the agenda onto what he thinks might be more fertile today. Hello, John, and welcome to this emergency short extra episode of Absolute Power Thanks, John Burko. <laughs> uh, it's wonderful to be here with you, even though we are not in the studio as usual. We are on Zoom, we but uh, this is a necessary emergency episode because I think most people in the country this week watched Prime Minister's questions and saw something akin to a biblical miracle. Uh, you've told me before that Boris Johnson rarely apologises, if ever. But he did. He did. I think that there was a dramatic contrast, Deborah, on Wednesday at Prime Minister's Questions between his tone and his content. On tone, I don't think I'm acknowledging much that people couldn't see for themselves, he was right to be and sound and come across as contrite. He knew that he was on the skids, he had a terrible case. He behaved incredibly foolishly and bombast wouldn't work. But the content was absolutely dreadful. In fact, in respect of all the questions about Partygate, let's be clear, Deborah, fundamentally, he said the same thing over and over and over and over and over again with monotonous regularity, which was wait for the Sue Gray report. Mm. To which, of course, the answer is, actually, Prime Minister, we don't have to wait for a report to know whether you attended a party and you've accepted and acknowledged that you did. And we don't have to wait for a report from Sue Gray to know that you were exceptionally foolish and ill-judged to do what you did. So it's all very well to say, I'm sorry and I take responsibility. But what do the words I take responsibility mean? Was he saying, well, I've behaved so foolishly and I've so let myself down and I've so let the government down and I've so let the house down and I've so let the country down that I tender my resignation? No, anything but. In fact, now, as you can see, the papers are rife with speculation that he's busily drawing up plans for scapegoats. In other words, oh let's get rid of someone else from his or her job, so I can keep mine. Does that surprise me? Absolutely not. It is all of a piece with this deluded, narcissistic, and possibly even sociopathic Prime Minister. Mm. Just to pracy, in case anyone doesn't know what Partygate is, on the 20th of May, 
2020, there's photographic evidence and an email demonstrating there was a party held in the garden at number 10 Downing Street. Uh, The following day, there is a picture of the Queen mourning Prince Philip alone. So that's how little we were allowed to socialize with anybody. Uh, Even when someone was grieving, people didn't go and say, pay their last respects to their relatives. There are people on Twitter saying, my father died alone. He had dementia. He didn't understand why I wasn't there. I'll live with that forever. And this email was very cavalier. It was like, oh, to a hundred people, bring your own booze, shame not to make the most of the sunshine. And that really rankled with me because I thought at least have the decency to code it because you know if we see it, we're going to be horrified. So at least if it said uh, there will be an outdoor meeting, we're having it outdoors because that's safer. Um, uh, If anyone wanted to bring a bottle of wine so we could have a quick drink at the end while we're there anyway because we don't want to have any social. I would know what that meant. We're not stupid. But at least I'd think they've had the decency to lie. I don't know. I feel like it's just the audacity of like, they weren't worried. They just weren't worried that that was being seen. And that speaks to me of a culture. This is happening all the time. And there's a report today that this was at every Friday they were having drinks. And and now he's saying, I thought it was a work event. We weren't allowed to have work events. I didn't see any of my colleagues in the flesh for, this was May 2020. It was such a harsh lockdown at that point. Absolutely. What? Sue Gray, apparently, according to the leaked Sue Gray report, if that can be believed, what she's going to say is it wasn't criminal. But how? So how is it not criminal? And why is he justifying it by saying, well, I thought it was a work event when we couldn't have conferences? We couldn't have we weren't meant to be in the same room with each other unless absolutely necessary. And I can't see why these people's jobs can't be done via Zoom. Do you understand it? I don't really understand that, to be honest. It does seem to me there was an absolutely flagrant breach of the rules that Parliament had passed at the express invitation of the government. And I'm not a lawyer, but I should have thought there was every likelihood that it was a criminal breach. As to whether it could be said to constitute a work event, I think that the truth of the matter is the vast majority of people can readily see that it wasn't a work event. It was a social event. Based on the email and the pictures, there was no one with a laptop, no one with a notebook. No, nobody's taking notes, nobody's recording anything, nobody's listing agreed actions or anything. It was clear. There's no one PowerPoint presentation. No, it was a please bring a bottle event. It was obviously a party. And this man, who considers himself to be a person of prodigious intelligence, product of Eton and Oxford, must be the only person in human history, Deborah, to have attended a party without (laughs) realising that he had done so. Well, that's a very extraordinary state of affairs. So this chap went to a party and consumed some beverages (laughs) in his own garden, accompanied by lots of other people. But he was under the curious impression that no, it wasn't a party. It wasn't about swigging wine or eating sausage rolls. Chatting, laughing. It was a learning experience. It was strategizing. It was planning. It was thematic. It was about policy making. 
These are tales told to the Marines, and it's the sheer insults, the kind of gratuitous insult to people's intelligence that really takes a biscuit. By the way, there was a moment of some piquancy in the House on Wednesday when Jim Shannon, the Democratic Unionist Party member, stood up to ask a question, and he revealed that his mother-in-law had died alone or all but alone. And he broke down in tears as he described it. And you could hear in the background people saying, sorry, Jim, you know, bad luck, Jim. And he, he hung in there and managed eventually to finish his question. But obviously he was overwhelmed by what had happened and he was very upset about it. And I'd never seen that happen with him before. But, you know, it was one of those human moments. And I think people felt very sympathetic. And he wasn't even trying to score a point. You know, he was getting up to raise a serious point. But when he referred to it, it was as though there was a lump in his throat. And it dawned on him what he was describing. And he was obviously somebody who got on very well with his mother-in-law. And momentarily, it broke him. Yeah. How often do people cry in your experience in the chamber during, yeah, during Prime Minister's questions? It wouldn't happen even once a year. It wouldn't happen probably once in five years. Boris Johnson's idea that he didn't know he was at a party, I've heard it said of leaders before he couldn't organise a piss-up in a brewery. But to say, I did not know I was at a piss-up in a brewery, surely that in itself just counts you out of running a country. I just feel like if you can't identify whether you're at a party or a work meeting, you're not qualified. Right. It is a quite extraordinary defence to say, I didn't know it was a party. I think it would be an extraordinary and feeble and implausible defence in any circumstances. But to say it in respect of an event, which he says he came down from his office to attend for 25 minutes, and it was in his own garden. Yes. You piss up in your own brewery. You could always hear him saying in the house, this was this was this was this was speaker. I I I I I I I attended as I as I as I as I as I think the house now now the country now now know but what 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 was what was regarded as a party and it was actually in 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 the garden 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 of number ten but I but I'm bound to say I'm bound to say I hope the house will take me at my word I I didn't know that I was there or rather I should have been there I was there but I I didn't realise it was a party I thought it was sort of briefing meeting where we're going to be discussing important policy questions. I didn't have any paper with me, and no notes were being taken, and nothing was being recorded, but I thought it was a serious work event, absolutely <laughs> right. And I, I think people are sufficiently foolish and uninitiated to believe it, because I say so. And I've spent my life saying well, what I would like to be true uh, is true, and I don't see why, I don't see why, I don't see why, I don't see why t- today should, should, should be any different. And, and that's what I'm saying, and that, that's the that's the position, and <laughs> I'm I'm saying it, and it should be accepted, and 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 that's all it's to say. It's uncanny. It's like I'm on a Zoom with him. If there were just a glass of wine here, I would think I was at a work meeting with Boris Johnson. So I'd like to talk about Kia, Sir Keir Starmer, and how he handled it when Boris Johnson, because he kept saying the same thing as you say, kept saying. Um, we wish we'd done things differently. I want a kid to step forward as the lawyer and say, what do you wish you'd done differently? 
and question him and paint him into a corner. Well, I wish we hadn't had wine. So why did the email say people should bring their own wine and just try and get him to into that place? Do you think that's what uh, Keir Starmer should have done? Or was he playing a political game that is something that's done in the House and I'm wrong? No, I didn't say you're, you're wrong about that, Deborah. I think that could have been an effective tactic. But if you ask me overall, because I don't think there was only one approach that you had to follow, my overall sense was that Boris Johnson did very badly and Keir Starmer came across as representing the overwhelming public view, which would have been, this man hasn't got a leg to stand on in this matter. So I thought it was one of Keir's better performances. Of course, as you probably know, you get as leader of the opposition, six questions, and only six. So you only get six. So once you've burnt your six, oh, so you can't do that. You can't be a barrister and say, and you mean by that, or you you can't. No, you You can. You can play the six as you like, but once you've done your last one, you can't come in again. And it used to be an old tactic of a number of prime ministers. I don't want to single anybody out. But it was an old tactic to preserve their best line or their so-called intended knockout blow for their last answer. And then to say in that last answer, and let the leader of the opposition get to that dispatch box and tell us X or Y or Z. And he hasn't got an answer. He's got nothing to say. Now, strictly speaking, it's not actually for the leader of the opposition to have answers. He's supposed to be asking the questions, not answering them. But it's an old technique for a prime minister. I can't remember that he did this on Wednesday, but he certainly used his last answer to try to smite away the Starmer attack. And at that point, sometimes, I don't think I heard them, they were all a bit shocked on Wednesday, but sometimes government backbenchers will all go, come on, come on, come on, get up, get up, get up, let's hear you. Well, Keir Starmer couldn't have done because the rules are very clear. You have six, but you don't have seven. I've never heard of this before. I've been watching PMQs for years. How yeah. did I not know there was only there were only six questions? Deborah, there's no reason why you or any of our listeners would know, because it's not something that is, I think, up on the Parliament website. I mean, I suppose it could be, but I don't think it is. And even if it is, the vast majority of people haven't read or studied the Parliament website. It is a convention. It's not written into law, but it is a very established convention, and it would be very frowned upon if the Speaker departed from that. It really would be frowned upon. And sure enough, it wouldn't occur to speak. Did you ever miscount and accidentally give someone an extra question? I think I did once, actually. <laughs> I think, Deborah, I did. On one occasion, I think I might have given the Leader of the Opposition or the Acting Leader of the Opposition, I might have given him seven. I think once in ten years I might have miscalculated. And I don't now remember which occasion it didn't lead to any great bit rash. distracted, bit hangry, and then you sort of your tally goes wrong. I can see how it could happen to anyone. Hold up. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What do you think Boris Johnson's next move should be, is going to be? The Tories are polling lower than any time that they have uh, since 2013, I read. Uh, Boris Johnson's popularity rating has plummeted. He knows that. Some Tories are starting to say you should go and every other party saying just do the decent thing, Boris. Uh, Firstly, should he go? Yes or no? Yes, he should resign because he has lost all moral authority to govern. He's ended up having to apologise not just to the House, but to the Queen. He's almost certainly broken the ministerial code. He's misled Parliament and he's broken the rules that he devised. Do you think that the cabinet or the backbenchers will push him out and make him go? I don't think the cabinet will do so. There are a couple of capable people in the cabinet, but there aren't that many very capable people in the cabinet. And actually, one of the more capable people is also one of the least trusted people, namely Michael Gove. I suppose there is a question as to whether the parliamentary party will decide to hold a leadership vote of confidence in the first instance. And there I think the jury's out. I think it could happen, but it won't necessarily happen very quickly. It might take a period of months. And I think there may be a difference between some of the younger members and some of the older ones. Normally you tend to think of the new ones as being very loyal because they're loyal and because they're ambitious and they want to keep their noses clean. But actually quite a lot of the new members got in in marginal seats, and they're probably seeing the sheer weight of the post-bag objections to the Prime Minister's conduct. And I think quite a lot of them are panicking, and they yeah. might well decide to try to force him out. There is one other possibility, but I think it's incredibly, almost vanishingly improbable, and that is that he might decide at a moment of his own choosing to announce his departure. But I think yeah. that's incredibly unlikely. I think he'd have to be scraped off the walls, physically detached and ejected from number 10 by burly bouncers. And short of that, will he go (laughs) voluntarily? 
I don't think there's a cat in hell's chance of him going voluntarily. He's completely shameless. He's totally narcissistic. He believes he's always had his own way and should have. And his instinct now will be to try to blame as many other people as possible and to do anything he can to shift the agenda onto what he thinks might be more fertile terrain. So he's doing everything wrong and nothing right. And he doesn't deserve to stay, but don't rule out the possibility that he might stagger on for some time longer. But he is, I'm afraid, the worst prime minister of my lifetime. And it's not, you know, a photo finish, if I may say so, Deborah. It's not a right. photo finish. By some distance. By a country mile, he's the worst prime minister of this country I've known. Wow. John, 100 people were invited to the party and only about 40 attended. Is that normal in normal times if a hundred people were invited to number 10 to a party sorry not a party a work event bring your own booze shame to waste the sunshine uh would it be usual to have such a low turnout i really wouldn't have thought so i mean i've attended a few downing street parties in my time in the past not during boris johnson's tenure and not i think during theresa may or david cameron's tenure but i have been to some in the past and I'm sure people will understand when I say that an invitation to number 10 is quite highly prized. I suppose the only analogy would be with Speaker's House. Now, I hasten to add that Speaker's position is far junior in almost every respect to that of the Prime Minister other than in the chamber when the Speaker has to be in charge. But there's a parallel in the sense that there is a building called Speaker's House, and I used to hold a lot of events in Speaker's House. Very large numbers of people would come. And did we get very large numbers of people that we invited saying, no, can't come? No, not usually. People wanted to come. They wanted to say they'd been to the speaker's residence. They'd attended an event, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, it's extraordinary that if 100 invitations were issued, only 40 people went. Now, why did the 60 not go? I think the 60 didn't go for one or other of two reasons. Either they thought this is totally improper and I can't possibly go to it, or they thought, I must protect my own health and shouldn't go to it, or both. But I think it's very revealing that only 40 of 100 invitees turned up to number 10 Downing Street, the residence of the Prime Minister, to attend a party to which they would otherwise probably have felt privileged. And if it really were a work event... What are the chances of fewer than half turning up to work? That's a very good point, Deborah, because the answer is minimal chance of that happening if it was a genuine work event. Because apart from anything else, most people have got immediate line managers or somebody above their line manager. Where were you? Where were you? You were meant to be at this work event. my, My trust colleagues are coming to the meeting, the work gathering in the Prime Minister's Garden tonight, and there would be very considerable peer and manager group pressure to attend. It wasn't a genuine work event. It was a social event, and I think probably most decent people in the public service, and if the public servants were being invited, thought, this smells, this doesn't feel right, and is probably not very good for my health either, and I'm not going to go. I mean, that was it was a time, and we have to remember this, there were no vaccines, there were no lateral flows, we had no armour at all and no way of knowing if we had the virus. It was no, just... I mean, it was within, if I remember rightly, 
lockdown was announced on the 23rd of March 2020, and it was 58 days afterwards. I think it was a Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday, May the 20th. Scarcely two months after lockdown had been announced, you know, there was a general deterrence against going out at all. People and the rule was you can go out into the sunshine, but you can meet yeah. one person from outside your household, the one end. One person from outside your household, you can go for a daily walk or other exercise, such as a run or whatever, and you can go out in order to shop for essentials. But otherwise, you should be at home. But the Prime Minister apparently thought it was perfectly legitimate for an event potentially involving 100 people to take place in his garden. He beetled along to the said event and is now inviting us to believe 20 months later, although he was there, although it appeared to be a party, although booze was being served, it wasn't really a party, it was a work event and it was a matter of duty, a matter of duty, a matter of duty he was attending. And that leads me to the next question. Uh, how many of those people do you imagine could not do their jobs from home? Like, why did they have to be there at all? I don't well, really understand. The, is the overwhelming majority could and probably did do their jobs from home for an appreciable period. And in fact, many may still be doing so now. You don't think many of those people would have had to go in? Presumably some people in government have to go in and be in rooms together at some points. I'm not yes, being naive. Yeah, but a lot of those people looked quite young and junior that were in the garden. Presumably they could have done everything they were doing on Zoom. And they ne- that, was, that was the period where if you wanted work drinks, you were sent, someone would send me a little bottle in the post or something and say, we're all going to have a drink on Friday night. So we've sent you a little bottle or a little bottle of gin or something because we wanted to be hospitable. That's what we were doing at that point. So for me, I'm just like looking at it going, I don't see any of these people needed to be there, even if it's work. No, Um, even if it's work. And also I think quite a lot of them, probably the great majority, were not people who worked in number 10 anyway. They were people who worked in the public service, possibly in a number of different roles. So he was saying he wanted to thank his staff. But the way we were thanking our staff were things like Zoom quizzes. And we saw him doing a live quiz round a table. Again, we've seen footage of that. So he wasn't doing any of that. If he'd wanted to do a quiz to thank his staff, he could have done that on Zoom. So it feels to me like that's a culture of this just doesn't apply to us. Um, Finally, in terms of its absolute power to unseat Boris Johnson, Partygate, uh, from basically irrelevant, number one, to absolute power, number 10, where do you think it sits? I think it sits at around seven or eight. Oh, come on. I think come it on. does have the power. I mean, normally, these sorts of issues are regarded as passing, transitory concerns, things about which, in the end, senior politicians don't worry that much because. They don't relate directly to issues of the pocket about which voters are above all concerned. The reason why I think this stuff does matter and has made a difference and is shaping public opinion is that these instances constitute such a huge and shocking contrast with what people themselves have experienced and accepted. And that's why I think people are incandescent 
with rage. I understand the argument generally that says, well, the public aren't that bothered about, for example, a particular sex scandal or the fact that an individual minister has been caught in some... Wallpaper. It doesn't make that much difference. This is the Prime Minister, and you know he's directly implicated, and he has been behaving in a way that breached his own rules and which would have caused citizens of this country to be punished. And people care above all, absolutely rightly, all over the world, people care above all about their own families, their own loved ones, their own treasured friends. And it's the fact that it flies in the face, rather as Barnard Carson did with Dominic Cummings, people's own experiences and what they put up with that makes people full of rage. So... I'm very encouraged that you think it's a seven or eight. I'm going to take that and run with it. Uh, in the meantime, I am going to uh, just send a quick WhatsApp to Sue Gray to see what happened to the last piece of cake in the fridge, uh, even though I was the only one in there. And uh, I now seem to have chocolate icing all over my fingers. It's it's not clear. It's not clear. Yeah. Oh, hold on. There's, I'm just coming in. There's a bit of video footage of me eating the cake. But I thought it was a work cake. Um, so I, I definitely wasn't criminal. It I do hope. As opposed to a party cake. Yes, a work cake, John. Is there you a work in the cake. Sugar content? You know, it's. Listen, it's. I, I should have done things differently. I realise that now. However, I do need to wait for this WhatsApp from Sue Gray to discover the full. Ex this, just let's wait for Sue Gray to say what happened to the cake. Mm -hmm. Oh, hold on. There's an email from me saying I'm about to eat the cake. Uh, it's just come to light. Uh, I hope that Sue Gray clears all of this up, and I hope if she discovers it was not criminal that everyone was fined, gets their money back. It'll be interesting to see if that happens. Uh, John, thank you so much, and I look forward to recording another episode in studio with you very soon. You have been listening to Absolute Power with me, Deborah Francis-White. And me, John Burko. The music was by Hannah Ledwidge. The producers for The Spontaneity Shop were Ned Sedgwick and Tom Zielinski. Absolute Power is part of the ACAST Creator Network and the House of the Guilty Feminist. For more information about this and other episodes, visit absolutepowerpodcast.com.